This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. We're sitting in a beach hut in the middle of Hammersmith. We got a little bit lost, but listen, it's not a problem because we're still actually on holiday. The season doesn't actually start until Saturday when Rotherham come down to Griffin Park, see the Mighty Mighty Bees. And uh, everyone's getting very, very excited. It's been a, a long summer without Beedham. There's been a lot of football over the summer, but not much Beedham happening. And we need to get the bees back on track. So I'm sitting here in a little beach hut at the um, Distillers Pub in Hammersmith. We haven't been here for a while. A very cool little pub. And to be quite honest with you, it actually works in the summer, doesn't it? It's nice. It's, I love it. I love the little hut with little revolutionary tools behind you. This is a hammer and scythe in uh, in this hut. It's very odd. Hammer and sickle. So basically, obviously, sort of owed to my trip to uh, the eastern Eastern Europe. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're, you're, Billy's hats here as well. Hats had, hats had an eventful summer. That's right, yeah, my hat Gandhi and everything like that, you know. But anyway, I'm Billy Grant and I am here and I'm back. And Brentford are playing on Saturday. I'm getting very, very excited. I'm sitting in a hut with my buddies, my pals, who I haven't had a sit and had a drink with, with uh, for a few months. And uh, to the left of me, I've got the man, the Liberal Nick, the man with the Combine Harvester, sitting outside the pub. The Liberal, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm not certain I'm to ever to the left of you, Bill, you know, now that you've been in- indoctrinated into the ways of the Soviet <laughs> Union, you know, Mr. Putin. Putin's right-hand man, from what we can gather yeah. from all the media appearances. But I'm really, really looking forward to the, really looking forward to the new season. Can't wait for it. I'm be up for it. Big up for it. I'm not quite sure you're trying to insinuate there, the Liberal Nick. But um, maybe we could talk about that a little bit later. I've got the lady. Yes, yeah, <laughs> the lady man. Uh, what's going down? Oh, I've had a, I've had a good summer. I mean, obviously we had a, we did a podcast last week, so you know some some of you know that you know I had a, I had, a, had a month away, and um, I'm I'm up for the season. You know, although Rotherham, it does sounds like it's the first game of the 1984 season rather than like 2018 19. But fair play to Rotherham, they they went down, they've bounced back. Um, I'm just I'm looking forward to getting the, the season going again, seeing all the boys back at Griffin Park. 
seeing the, the team run out, seeing some proper action, and you know the, the fixture list has been pretty kind to us. I think we should we should start the season off with a win. So, um, Ooh, fighting talk, there, Mister Lake. Fighting talk. Oh, the other the other important news in my life um, during the close season is I bought a new car. What colour? Um, it's, it's brown with an orange roof. Oh, okay, oh, really? Yeah, that's that's quite good. It's quite in vogue, isn't it? Those colours. Yeah, no, it's not. A, it's not a Range Rover, no. Um, so, but um, yeah, no, it's, it's it's quite it's quite nice. It's quite nice. Yeah, you know, brown brown with an orange roof. What could go wrong with that? <laughs> that's about Like I said, there's lots of brown and orange going around at this very moment in time. We got, maybe got the Jimmy Mac. The Jimmy Mac is in the house. We haven't seen you since well since last season. Jimmy Mac, how are you doing? Yeah, um, very well. Uh, last season, my just when Dave said Rotherham went down and they bounced straight back up again, that took me into a bit of a flashback to last day of last season. Where I've, I've literally just remembered. Uh, last day of last season, I actually left Griffin Park in a fucking ambulance. <laughs> which is true, because I was in the, in the hive, and um, a lot of people are probably thinking, oh, is he okay? Is he dead? Everyone, I'm all right. I, I drank a pint of the horrible lager in the hive, right. and I sort of choked on it and passed out. And I fell. I, I I passed out on my feet and headbutted the hard floor, and uh, yeah, was carried out by paramedics. And uh, serious concussion was had. And yeah, this is this could be like a you know going back to the scene of tr- serious trauma on Saturday. So please su- support me. So you're not going to make it into the ground then. Well, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna go back to the hive. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold that pint again. I'm gonna I'm gonna get through this, everyone. So you, all right? you actually did go home in a flashing ambulance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. I got I went home in a flashing ambulance. But Bill, <laughs> this is the man who, to avoid being thrown out of Nottingham Forest's ground at the away game at Nottingham Forest, claimed that he'd been injured and falling down some steps and was helped by stewards who who, who helped him to the nearest what Nottingham Royal. Infirmary rather than throwing you out on the ground. Hold on a minute. Are you insinuating that in the last day of the last season I faked passing out on my feet and headbutting the floor just so I could get a free pint from the hive? How dare you? How dare you? I think think we have the lawyers listening at the moment now and I think there could be all sorts of uh, there's going to be all sorts of claims at the moment now so maybe we should move on but you know I hope that you're feeling better Jim. I'm I'm back. I'm I'm coming back. That's right. You know, and, with, my, and, with my legal team. Yeah, and, and other than a pint, you know, a pint which you're drinking at a, a black. What's you drinking there actually? A pint of? Um, it's like a coffee, cold coffee stone brew. Coffee stone brew, okay. Isn't it? Yeah. And did you buy anything over the summer? I mean, Laney bought a car with a brown, orange roof and a brown car. What did you buy? Um, oh, I'm, anything brown? Anything brown? Well, I'm sort of transfixed on this pint, really. I suppose brown liquid with. It's got quite a large glass. The font is a bit orange on the glass, which goes nicely against the sort of brown liquid. It's quite a nice mix. You bought a kettle, didn't you? Buy a kettle? Yeah, you bought a kettle. Um, did I buy a kettle? Sure, you bought a kettle. Yeah, all right, I bought a kettle. What colour was it? It was brown. It was brown. <laughs> <laughs> orange buttons. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's nice, wasn't it? It's yeah, funny, yeah, really nice. it's funny. It's a, there seems to be a theme running here, and I, I can't quite work it out. Apparently, brown is the new black. Apparently. According to what's going on in the fashion world at the moment now, and uh, and myself, talk to myself. <laughs> Phil, what are you been up to? No, no, no. We've done the Russia thing. I was out in Russia, as the guys know as well. Got a new hat. Why didn't you mention it? <laughs> I just thought. I'd, I just thought I'd mention it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I actually, I actually bought 
a brown top in Russia. A brown top with 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 orange shoulders as well. Out oh, Russia, nice, yeah, good. That sounds like a nice top. Put it out there, and there's a couple, and the, and there's a couple of Russians running around with a brown top with orange shoulders now as well, which this is, is what, so it's got international. This is what Putin stormtroopers are now wearing, is it? You know, well, you know, you know, you know, it goes, mate. You know, you got to, you got to, you you got to get them all on the fashion tip, like you know. But it was good. Uh, like I said, to you, you can check it out on Besotted.com. I still haven't written the last episode because it's been very, 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 very hard <laughs> right but check it out besotted.com the last episode of the uh, the old um, Russia blog but it was a really good laugh really good vibes and uh, I'd recommend anybody just to get out there to the next uh, well to the next England trip European Championships which is everywhere um, every single country in Europe and every town in Europe it's just going to be everywhere it's going to be complete and utter chaos so uh, that should be quite interesting but listen let's, let's look forward and let's see what else is uh, happening in Griffin Park because we've got a game on Saturday and if we've got a game on Saturday, then we need to have a team playing on Saturday. And that team is playing on Saturday. We're a little bit confused because we don't 100% know who's playing because there's a lot of rumours flying around at this moment in time. So what we're going to do is we're going to come back after this twang and we're going to talk about Brentford. We're going to talk about our team. We're going to talk about predictions. We're going to talk about mystic ristic we're going to be talking about all sorts of stuff we've got new sections Bill. we've got new sections as well we've even got five from the hive and also we've got games gone the game's gone the game's gone because apparently the game's gone and we're going to be talking about the rotherham game which is going to be coming up the weekend but before we do that let's listen to this guitar twang and let's come back straight after that so yes the season is upon us but of course we can't talk about matches and our team without talking about players who may be coming, who may be going. And I suppose the biggest rumour that has been flying around at the moment now, and it's to be honest with you, it's something which has not come as any surprise because you know we've been sort of looking at this moment for over a year now. Uh, we didn't expect this player to be here back in the last season, and then in the January window, it was actually uh, the word had gone round that uh, a team had come in for him, a team in the Midlands probably wasn't true that they'd actually come in for him but they'd be sniffing around him and he personally decided that he wasn't going to go to them but he's going to sort of wait out the season and then he's going to see if he could maybe get a move this summer so it's always been happening and we're talking about Ryan Woods of course and then the word was out in the newspapers a couple of days ago that one particular team Swansea we're looking at him. There's rumours before about West Brom. There's other rumours about different teams. You don't really know what's happening because what happens at this time of the season, it's transfer windows in about a week's time. Teams come in, they request, they ask about them. You know, some might put in offers, some might not put in offers. There's a lot of talk. The agent's doing a lot of talk. He's hyping it up, trying to get the, the move or trying to get him some more money. So you don't really know what's happening and who's after them. But all you know is obviously there is a bit of activity because... Uh, you can tell when certain journalists get out there and they write stories with uh, a little bit of fervour that they know what something's going on. So Ryan Woods has obviously got a bit of activity. Will he stay at Brentford, you know, for another season? Or will he decide to move? That is the question. But what was more important from us, we're thinking, you know, let's forget this. Ryan Woods, if he was going to go, because obviously there's a bit of an interest in him, who will replace him? Is there a natural replacement for Ryan Woods in the Brentford team? The Liberal Nick? I don't think there is at the moment. Um, and so I think there would be a gaping hole left worry to leave I'm sorry worry to leave let's get this right he's going to go I think there's been too many there's too much talk there's too much um, uh, internet rumours publication in the the rest of the media about what's going to go my annoyance about Ram Woods going is he's going to go to a club he's going to go to another championship club 
and that's is he? Well, you know, I, my predictions have not been good so far this season, uh, because as anybody who's read the latest uh, besotted article will know that I predicted that Thierry Henry would already be Aston Villa manager. Well, that's gone for a Burton. So I'm now confidently going to predict that Ram Woods is going to go to Swansea. Um, and the problem is, it's another one of our rivals in the Championship. I mean, Swansea are not a team that are going to be there or thereabouts. Graham Potter, their new manager, is an interesting character, and I think Swansea as a club are fairly well run and actually will cope with life in the Championship better than other teams that have gone down. And you know, but they will have money to spend because the Premiership money is 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 ludicrous um, the the, the uh, payments they get for having come down means that they can buy who who they want to choose and it's a shame that we'll be losing a player to what who, to, to potentially one of our rivals but, but, but to be fair we did lose Scott Hogan to Aston Villa we did but I mean you know we lost him for Aston Villa had problems I I think Swansea are more geared up to do better in the championship than Aston Villa were when they went down that's I, my I mean, I don't, I don't think we were sort of looking at where Aston Villa is going to be going when they've got the wheelbarrow of twelve million pounds and they, they sold Scott Owen. Yeah, we? but my argument is that we are keep selling players to our Championship rivals. That's that's the problem. I mean, if Woodsy were to go to a Premiership team to help help a team do do keep themselves out of the relegation battle because you would go to a mid lower level premiership team that's absolutely fine what annoys me is that Ryan Woods is going to a championship team that we could well be challenging for for a playoff position at the come the end of the season Laney will we miss Ryan Woods or to the question how badly will we miss Ryan Woods um, the original question was is there anyone else in the team that can replace him the answer to that is no um, I'm not sure there's anyone else in um, in our price range that can replace him. He's probably the best midfielder I've seen um, in a Brentford shirt for a considerable amount of years. In, in fact, it might it might be he's probably in the top three or four of my all-time Brentford midfielders. So, you know, we, we, we get the ilk. The, you know, he's like once in a very very blue moon. So he's going to be difficult to replace. Full stop. If, he, if he's going to go anywhere, I'd want him to play first-team football and carry on playing the way he does. Swansea would allow him to do that. I agree with Nick that you know it's going to be a little bit of a shoot-yourself um, that he's going to go to a team that could potentially take points off us this season. But you know he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a great talent, and you know he, he deserves um, a platform to go on and prove himself. Swansea have got parachute payments for the next two, three years. They, they stand a good chance of going going back up. They've got the budget to do it. Uh, I, I'm going to miss him if he does go, but you know, there's, there's a chance he might stay too. So let's just just watch 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 how it pans out. I just hope that we get a lot of money for him if we do go. And then, um, but it's his turn, Bill. To be honest, you know, a lot a lot of the players that we've had, they, they come in, they they do their stint, they prove they're good enough, and then they move on. Woods has proved it, and you know if he if he goes for triple four times his salary, then good luck to him. It's interesting you say that as well, because I mean I've, um, I've also doing another article which should be out probably on Thursday or maybe Friday morning, talking to all the bloggers from all the clubs around the, in the Championship, you know from Aston Villa all the way down to West Brom, and it's interesting because the Swansea blogger actually uh, they see this season as a consolidation season. They say that they're in a bit of a mess at the moment now. The football that they were playing is not exactly the same. You know, staff coming and going. So they actually don't see themselves as doing anything this season. They just want to consolidate. And I think they put themselves down as about 13 or 14. So um, 
it's interesting, you know, whether Ryan Williams himself is going in there, being part of a building block where maybe they might go up the following season, or if he's just going there, going there for, for for the money, you know, or, or, or what the score is. Just the only the only thing I would sort of like just to finish off that for all his strengths, you know, he's great to watch. He's brilliant on the ball. He he drops back. He collects it, and he and he sprays the ball wherever he wants. Doesn't score enough goals. Um, you know, we could possibly improve in that area, not in terms of a player that looks great and pleases the fans, but someone who's technically better at, uh, at scoring, you know, def- defending and attacking and scoring goals. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Woods, obviously, but I think you, you might be onto something there. He's, he's really easy on the eye. Uh, he, the way you find a bit of space. Make space for his first touch if he hasn't got space, and he and he picks a very nice pass. Um, not a particularly incredible defensive midfielder <laughs> in the tackle, doesn't really score goals. Maybe I'm just trying to convince myself that we're not going to miss him. Uh, sounds, sounds, that's what's happening, but you know, we are going to miss him. What's frustrating about Woods going for me is that we were, it seemed that we were almost getting to the end of a pre season where we weren't we hadn't sold any key players, and there was no noise around key players going. And the eleventh hour, and that looks like that might happen. So it's a bit of a frustration, but you know, our, our model remains the same. We have to let him go. We're really, really heavy in the middle of midfielders, though. So it does make sense to let one go. Um, a midfielder, that is, I'm not pointing any fingers at you, Laney. Um But um, <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant. There's, there's no uh, like for like player in the middle there. Well, we smelt it down. <laughs> yeah, thank you. We digress. But Josh McEachran, maybe he's a player. Uh, he's you know. Probably in the, the closest we've got being the same mould as Woodsy, but he can only do it for three or four games a season. I get a sense that he's the sort of player that um, he'll have three or four games, he'll go and reward himself for a night out, and he lets his diet go, and his fitness level drops that five, well, three percent, which makes it's not means he's not as effective as, as he could be. Where he has Woodsy has a discipline, but I mean, good point about McEachran because McEachran has been bigging himself up, hasn't he, in the close season? He's been saying he's good enough to play for England. He's been he's good enough. He can. He can do that by being a integral part of Brentford's midfield this season, um, because as always happens, we are a team. We know we're a selling we're a selling club, and what we do is we buy players, we bring on players, we develop them, and then we sell them on for large sums of money. And the players that leave Griffin Park leave better players, better all-round individuals almost you know I mean for, for, for want of a better phrase and and that could so so McCreckran can stop can step up this year and say right I'm going to get 30 35 sorry no 40 games this season where I'm going to show people that I'm really worth and I am the player that I believe I am so that's for him to do it's interesting you say this. I mean, Josh McEachern is interesting. We talked about this at the end of the season. We did the if you had to let one player go, now who would it be? And around the table, everyone said Josh McEachern. And I think a lot of the reason why is that you haven't seen him play a lot. He came in with a lot of hype. Um, just before, he actually came in before um, um, Marinus Dijkhausen. It was in that era. Marinus actually knew him from Holland. He was very excited about him when he first came in. I think he had a lot of fitness to do because uh, I don't know whatever the training he had not was right or but he had a lot of fitness to do. And obviously he's had a lot of injury. Now the thing about um, some of these players and obviously with our squad, you know we're, we're obviously relatively still quite you know heavy with the squad. So there's some players there who are in the squad. But you sort of see how much contribution are they making, you know. Um, Josh McEachran, you know, I don't know, he only plays 10 games a season maybe. 
12, you know, you've got um, Lewis McLeod, he plays, you know, I don't know, 10 games a season. So you've got these players are in the squad, but their contribution is relatively small. And we're sitting down there hoping that one day, Lewis McLeod's going to be a brilliant player, he'll come out and he'll do the business and he'll be the type of player that we want in that position, or whether it's Josh McEachern. Um The fact is that because these players haven't played, the value of them is probably relatively low. So it's kind of what do you do? What does Brentford do as a club now with them? Do they you have to stick with them to try and get them games? <coughs> That's the only way they're going to be able to push the value up. And also if they believe in these players. I mean, apparently I've heard that um, um, Josh McEachern is going to be a wicked player when he's fit and when he's playing. You know, So is the club saying, actually, we want to get you to that stage because we believe in you, we're going to push you. And then maybe actually might put him in that position. I don't know because I don't see him week in and week out. I'm not in the training field and neither are us lot. We just want to see a team out there that's performing week in, week out. So I think it's a bit of a difficult one with us, but they've obviously a bit of a faith because they've, they've really stuck with those two players for a long time. Um, I think McLeod's another one who could maybe step into that Woods Rowish. Him and McLeod, oh, sorry, McEachern and McLeod, probably at different stages. You give McLeod the benefit of the doubt. He showed flashes of being like a really good player, but he clearly has suffered with genuine injuries. I'm still not convinced that McEachern has anything other than dedication as a, as a big cause of his own problems. You know, whether he's as committed to being as good as he can, as he should be, is, is my doubt. That might come from the fact that he was on big money at Chelsea when he was 18 years old. But if he wants to be, if he wants to be, if he wants to be a success in this Brentford model, he's, he's 25 years old now. He has another poor season at Brentford. He's 26 and he's he's near the end of his career in the beginning. And he'll end up his next move will be down to Wickham, as opposed to a Swansea or a Burnley where they can pay him big money. So I, he's clearly a good player. He can pick a pass when he's on his game. It's he's good, but. I think the the problem is we just don't know enough about these players. We just we've just not seen enough of them in the first team. You know, every every time McLeod and McEachern seems to have a a sort of a series of uh, first team matches, they get crocs. You know, whether that's unlucky, whether that they're just too fragile, I don't know. You know, I I know that you know from what I hear, the powers that be they really rate McEachern. They've obviously rated McLeod to you know to stand by him, give him new contracts even when he's injured. So, you know, there's all the potentials there. You know, these aren't, we're not looking at fodder, but it's whether these players are good enough to take us onto the next level rather than just filling a position that's been vacated by Ryan Woods. You know, if, if Ryan Woods does go, we want to be replacing him with a player that adds more to um, the game, or adds more to the Brentford um, results than, than, than just filling his boots. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens in the next sort of seven days. You know, whether, whether he starts on Saturday whether Yanaris starts on Saturday it will be a big indicator of what's going to happen before between now and August the 9th and, 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 and talking about players and talk about replacement because obviously we've talked about you know if we were to replace him from within but obviously the club will look you know if, if he was to be sold you know for whatever it may be eight nine ten whatever the price may be a million pounds which means that the club would look at reinvesting that money obviously looking at outside um, to look to get like a midfielder or get a box-to-box midfielder it's quite it's difficult talking to my sources, the tomato sources out there as well. Um, it's a very, very difficult position to fill because obviously, uh, you know, it's a specific position. Lots of teams want a shit hot box to box midfielder. So, you know, uh, for us to try and attract it as opposed to other teams, it's very, very difficult. When Ryan Woods came in, we got him from Shrewsbury. They had just been promoted from the second division to the first. He was one of their start key players. We bought him in. But he was also still very green at the time. He was a great enthusiasm, but you know, technically, te- tactically, 
Brentford had to sort of teach him a lot of things over a year, a year and a half, you know, to look around him and to play in a particular way. So he grew with us. So he grew to the player he's been over a year, a year and a half now, you know, two years, and he's the player he is where people are coming in for him. The difficulty now is that, you know, we're not looking to probably pluck a player at the moment like Ryan Woods from a second division or a first division. That's not what we're looking to do. We're trying to find somebody who's a bit more experienced, somebody who can slot back in. That's obviously going to cost money and then other teams are going to be after them and, you know, will that player want to move to the Premier League or to move to, I don't know, you know, the Spanish League or whatever it may be instead of moving to Brentford. Czechoslovakian League. Yeah, Czechoslovakian League. It's, It's going to be a difficult scenario again so we don't know what's happening out there so it's almost like you could see the the, the, the pro- progress that Brentford have made after four years of being in this, this division what you've got now you've got a situation where and I say it when I'm laughing you know what I'm saying teams come in and buy our players that we you know they're, they're cool with us but you know Joseph Soon and Egan we're like okay there you go thanks very much and we sold them and then move on you know so teams are actually looking to do that in our division our rivals are buying from us players that we're okay with but we're quite happy to let go that wasn't happening three, two or three seasons ago we're now buying players have to buy players who are actually of a certain standard we've upped it you know we're not buying £500,000 players who are going to be the centre of our midfield we're probably have to spend more money so it's a it's a tricky transitional period for Brentford yeah you're spot on there Bill you know the, the purchase of Saeed Ben Rama showed that you know we're looking for more of the finished article you know from what from what I hear his first day on the training pitch, the players, the other players were thinking, saying to themselves, "Oh my God, what have we got here? This guy is absolutely perfect. You know, he's brilliant." Um, so, you know, we we spent two, three, whatever million euros on on that player. We're not looking at five hundred. We, we might be looking at five hundred thousand pound players too, in different, pl- but in different positions. positions, but not not to go straight into the first team. You know, Woodsy went pretty much straight into that first team in that first game he played up at Leeds. And you know he, he looked great, but he, he wasn't quite ready. And but in the in the three years that have followed, he he has really matured. And you know that's why I say it's probably his time to go. And that that's part of our model as well. You know we have to let these players move on. That's the that, that's the way the the replacement want to join us. You know Saeed Ben Rama. He probably doesn't want to join Brentford. He probably would love to join Fulham in the Premier League, but. You know, he's he's seen that if he can go and prove himself in the championship, he's going to get his move to the prem. So it's it's the players talk to players, agents talk to agents, and allowing people to go allows us to then bring in quality replacements. And you know, there are fans, and I get frustrated too. All of us get frustrated if we could keep the best players over the last five years. We may be in the prem, but that's just not the way it works. It's not the way football works. Talking about players, I mean, we've got to talk about a player that came in. We talked about this on our radio show on Monday. The um, Love Sport radio show has actually moved to a Monday morning, uh, Monday, Monday evening now, nine o'clock on Love Sport radio, um, and you could just check it out, loveSportRadio.com, and it's on DAB and digital. <coughs> so we had a little chat, and on that day, we'd actually uh, signed Julian Janvier, the French defender, and that was interesting because he had come into the team. He's seen as the experienced defender. We'd lost, obviously, Bieland, and we're looking for an experienced defender. So we decided to pull in a 26-year-old, which for Brentford, that is experienced. Um, doing the research on him, first of all, the, the Rams fans, or the Rims fans, uh, the team that we sold and uh, bought him from, were very, very unhappy with Brentford and him going there. Um, they thought he's going to go for £10 million to various teams. Toulouse were looking around him, and they were so unhappy. There was all sorts of teams like Brentford going on, as we said, and uh, they were they were, they were slagging us after, to be fair. You know? Your French accent is penible. <laughs> penible. Yeah. What did they say? There was something about there was some sort of custard reference. 
Uh, that's right, yeah. And then we have to talk about that as well, you know. Uh, we got the arse. Not only we got the, the milk, something like that, we also got the arse of the creamer. Um, we did the, we put it for a simple translation tool, and apparently we got the arse of the creamer. And we, we're still trying to work out what the arse of the creamer is, but apparently we've got it, and apparently it's very good, and the French weren't happy that apparently we got a, good, a player with the arse of a creamer. But, um, but anyway... <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, we should move on. But like I said to you, um, but this Genevieve again, he is a good quality central defender. He's fast, he's uh, mobile, he's a ball playing central defender. Um, I think that the, the template that we try and use is uh, you know, um, James Tarkowski, great player for us, went on strike unfortunately, so it, 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 it blot, he blotted his copybook with us, but he's a good player and he's going to be playing for England very soon as well. Um, we're looking for the next James Tarkowski, you know what I'm saying, in effect. Ball playing central defender. Smaller ears. Yeah, that's right. Not as big ears. So um, this is quite interesting. And again, a, a lot of people have said that he's a, he's an absolutely fantastic player. But also talking about Malpay, Malpay apparently convinced him to come to the beast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's a little bit of a little bit of Malpay action. What did he say, Bill? Are you your fluent French? Yeah, he said to him, "You <laughs> must, John, you must come to Griffin Park." <laughs> And he did. It was as simple as that, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, tell you something, mate. You know. Reeves. That's yeah. right, Reeves. <laughs> it's, not, it's not worth the paper it's written on. Nah. It's dreams. <laughs> yeah. So, um, anyway, you can tell it's summer, we're still struggling. But um, um, Nico Yunaris, I have to mention as well. Yeah, we're going to talk about Nico, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Apparently. Hashtag uh, NY8. Apparently, yeah, hashtag NY8. There's um, obviously talk about Nico going to China. Um, I think a lot of people have heard that rumour. Um, what we're hearing is that may be happening, but there may be a loan in between. Stag do. Stag do in Sparta Prague, yeah. Um, there, I think it could be the same Chinese owner that he ends up at the Chinese club in China. Um, Nico's got Chinese heritage, so there may be there may be a, a kind of a uh, there may be a, like a, 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 an extra incentive to go there for so him. So basically, you might think he might, he might he might play for China. Is what you're saying. Reckon he could, mate. Reckon he could. You think he's going to play for China, do you? I reckon he could, yeah, I reckon. What's the odds he's going to play for China? Uh, evens. Oh, right. Smart odds. Smart odds. Smart odds. Smart odds. Oh, right. Okay, interesting. So uh, so basically, Nico is going to China. He's going to... He's going to Prague. Via Prague. He's going to captain the Chinese team. And they're going to win the World Cup. And they're going to win the World Cup next uh, in uh, Qatar. Yeah. And he can play the guitar. Dude, <laughs> go to go to China via Prague sounds like your travel arrangements getting around to yeah, Russia. Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he, he used to fly from, he used to fly to into Russia via Cuba, didn't you, or something? Well, you know, yeah. well at least I was there. Ooh. Ooh. We should move on. Anyway, so you, you went to Russia. <laughs> Fact, Jimmy, low, I did, low, low I did, I did, I did go to Russia. Yeah. <laughs> what did you tell us, Bill? What did you tell us? I was going to tell you, but to be honest, with you, I didn't think you believed me. <laughs> How can you prove it? I, I don't know. I'm still working on that. Actually, I've got, need, we need some TV evidence or something. I know, but I've got a few tickets and a few. I've got a few coasters, and I, I bought a few Take sort out. of. Yeah, and that's right. Yeah, tea bags, and I, and also there's a few other. I don't know. Listen, I'll come back to you on that one because I'm struggling a little bit. But anyway, we talk about Yanaris. Tell you something as well. I mean. Looking around and we're talking about the team and we're talking about you know when we buy you know two hundred three hundred thousand pound players. <laughs> Interestingly now because those players might actually go into our B team and then we got this path through as we talk about all the time from the B team to the A team and that normally is the way for us to, to get the sort of slightly more underproven players these younger players through. So we'll probably get the more experienced players pay a bit more money go they go straight in the A team and the other players will go to the B team and they'll come through. 
Now it's interesting because there's a player who used to be a part of our, let's say, BT but Academy back in the day, who's uh, who's gone for a whopping twenty million pounds. Alfie Mawson. Now I know they sort of said Alfie Mawson. We talk about Alfie Mawson. Now it didn't quite happen, but uh, you know it's it's kind of one of those elephants in the room. What the hell happened to Alfie Mawson? Why, when we were in Division One and Alfie Mawson was part of our academy? Um, why didn't Alfie Mawson come through? I know that we had a few defenders at the time. We had Harley Dean, we had Tony Cray, we even had uh, a Connell, you know, inside there. And we also had that guy who was, uh, he, he, he played for Finland, but he had an Irish name. What was his name? O'Shaughnessy as well. O'Shaughnessy, I mean, O'Shaughnessy was, ahead, was even ahead of him. Um, yeah, and, uh, 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 yeah, O'Shaughnessy. And, um, so, we, you know, we've got the scenario. That's right. But, um, you know, Alfie Mawson... He couldn't get in our side for whatever reason, which we might be revealed in a minute. And uh, he said, tell us something, send me on loan. So he went on loan to Fulham. And then he came back and he still obviously wasn't the pecking order or I don't know what the deal was like. And he decided that he wanted to get a transfer. Went to Barnsley, went to Barnsley to Swansea, Swansea, England under 21, bam, Fulham, £20 million. Now, we've got a man in the house here, Jimmy Mack. You, um, you've got a little bit more information on this, which we've been holding down for about, for about a year now, haven't we? But, you know, we thought it might be time to reveal. Jimmy, tell us, tell us your story. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did vow to keep this quiet, but he's going to Fulham now, so all, all bets are off. Uh, so a couple of well, about a year ago, there was a boxing match, and I went along to it in Manchester, and we were there with a couple of groups of friends, and Alfie Mawson turned up as part of this, part of this group. So we were sitting having a beer with him, and a guy we were with was like his best mate. And, uh, you know, all chatting, having a few drinks. He'd actually uh, limped off at half-time off the game on a Saturday for Swansea. Got up to Manchester, convenient, <laughs> to see the... Uh, I think he's playing the Midlands. Maybe... maybe uh, I can't remember. Maybe, maybe Stoke, actually. Not, not too far away from Manchester. So, limped off, gets up to Manchester early. for the. Uh, so, we're having a drink with him. He's having a few beers. And football comes up, and he says... Oh, where you guys from? Where do you support? We said, oh, Brentford. He keeps it a bit quiet. And his mate goes, fucking, fucking Brentford. Uh, Alfie, tell him about Brentford. <laughs> and he goes, no, 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 no. I've got nothing, nothing bad to say about him. Could, uh, Brentford are a good club. He goes, nah, they didn't, didn't treat you any good, Alfie. Just tell him the fucking story. <laughs> tell him the fucking story. <laughs> so we, we get it out of him. And uh, <coughs> so Mawson says that Brentford <coughs> were generally doing all right by him. And he was getting through the, the system and being you know in the academy that is in the academy uh, with a view to you know he had a Wickham loan and the, the idea was he was going to move into the, the first team so Warburton was a manager at the time with David Weir next to him David Weir of course won many titles with Rangers and centre back proven you know experienced Premier League Everton and all that David Weir said to Mark Warburton this guy's not cut out for he'll never make it he hasn't got what it takes he's not He's not he's tactically switched on. He's not. He hasn't. He's not what we need. We need to let him go. Don't give him any time, and completely blocked his path to the first team. So this isn't Warburton. This isn't Brentford. It was specifically David Weir from Alfie Mawson's mouth himself. David Weir said he's he's not good enough for the club. We must don't play him, and it actively encourages us to get rid of him. Um, as of about three hours ago and he's going for 20 million um, can we get Weir on the phone to ask him if he still stands by that decision uh, yeah but that was it more, more, he didn't seem to have any hard feelings but yeah David Weir's to blame on that. but obviously I mean the thing about it is in a way he probably thinks he's up to blame but he's not he's probably think he's probably the, the best thing for him as well because he's had these moves which has got him to the stage where he's playing Premier League football and ironically he's playing in a he's playing above 
all the players that are blocking him, you know, the Harley Dean, your Tony Craigs, you know, your Connells, you know, who might be also moving to Brighton, you know, they're yeah. sniffing around him as well. So you've got this irony that's happening and it just probably highlights this problem that you have when you've got a team where not everyone is pulling the same way. You know, you've got, you know, one set of people who want to do their own thing, another set of people doing their own thing, and I think that was possibly, well, possibly, it was obvious the problem that we had, you know, great, you know, we had some great results around that time, but there's obviously people pulling in different ways. Um, the academy has been proven not to have been working. This is probably another example of why the academy isn't working, because if you've got a player who is half-decent and he's not even given a path through because everyone's pulling the wrong way, then, you know, it's, it's, it's just not working out, is it? And it would also be a bit of... Um, um, serendipity if he does then get sold to Fulham for 20 million and Swansea then overpay for Woods by 5 million for the reason of all the money they got from Mawson because we let Mawson go early it all, get, all comes around in the end, doesn't it? We were cashed in indirectly. That, is, that was always the plan, you see. So that is good. But listen, that's a little bit of transfer action that we're talking about. I'm sure there'll be more activity now. The, uh, the transfer deadline is to the 9th of August, which is a few days after the Rotherham game, so uh, we'll be waiting with tender hoots, no doubt. We've got to have a podcast next Wednesday. You know what should we do? You know, should we do a special podcast on the Thursday to sort of uh, find out what player we might have sold on deadline hour? We'll, we'll see. We'll talk about that in the week. But we've got a few other things that we're going to talk about because the season hasn't started yet. And after this twang, we'll come right back to that. New season, new feature, and this one's called. Guide's gone! Guide's gone! Guide's gone! Guide's gone! Welcome to a new part of the podcast entitled, you may have guessed it, The Game's Gone, where we'll be looking back at players or matches or just memories from days gone by that we think are relevant today still. Today, we speak to Greville Waterman. He's the author of Ooh The Bob Booker Story, available in the club shop and through Amazon or online through any bookshop. Um, and Greville looks back at a player who's still, after all these years, very, very close to his heart. Winger called Ollie Mansley. Over to you, Greville. I've been watching Brentford, man and boy, for over 50 years now, and however much I've liked and admired so many players, there's only one who I'd actually class as a hero. And he and the others who come very close to that accolade all come from the same era, the late 60s and early 70s, a time when I was still young and impressionable. And in those more innocent days, I still saw some of the Brentford players in a heroic light. My first years watching the bees passed by in a blur as the players were largely faceless and indistinguishable to me as I was still earning my spurs as a supporter and was not yet able to identify them as the individuals they were. Alan Mansley was the first Brentford player who truly stood out to me initially as much for his looks as he had the long flowing locks and sinuous gait of a George Best as for his ability. In an area of plebeian mediocrity when players with real flair and talent were the exception rather than the rule, particularly at Brentford. Ollie Mansley completely broke the mould. He played with passion and effervescent joy. He galloped down the left wing with gay abandon and beat his opponents, sometimes more than once, by virtue of a combination of pace, body swerves, dribbling ability, trickery and the precocity of youth. 
He had the year of his life in 1968 when he was touched by the gods and scored goals of every hue. Swerving free kicks, rasping volleys, solo runs, clinical angled finishes, even a looping 20-yard header over a seemingly mesmerised Halifax goalkeeper. I followed him with the rapture of a star-struck 13-year-old and he could do no wrong in my eyes and I ached to be as talented and handsome as he was. However, like all the best heroes, his fame was glittering but transitory and short-lived as he was irrevocably hobbled by the thuggery of the pantomime villain, Chesterfield's Keith Kettleborough, and I can still see that sneery bald face and bald pate, and he, tre- and he never truly recovered his pace and verve. And within a year or so, he was gone, and his career withered on the vine. Alan Mansley remains a hero to me to this day, because he was the first Brentford player who stirred my emotions and made me realise that football was a beautiful art form as well as a sport, and that there was room for guile and intelligence as well as organisation and brute strength. The fact that, despite his outrageous ability, his career never reached the heights that had once looked likely, was truncated through injury, and that he also died tragically young, makes him even more of an heroic figure to me, if a more tragic one. I never spoke to him, I never dared to do so, and can only hope that the man himself lived up to the image. Thankfully, I'm reliably informed by others who knew him that he was indeed a lovely young man, and I'm glad to hear so, and I miss him to this day. There were others of that same long-past generation who I also revered, although not to the same extent that I hero-worshipped Alan Mansley. The likes of Chick Brodie, Gordon Phillips, Peter Gelson, Alan Hawley, Alan Elms, Jackie Graham, Roger Cross, John O'Mara and Bobby Ross were all talented players who gave the club long, loyal and dedicated service. I admired them all, but none moved me as much as Ollie had. lovely to hear your personal recollections of a player that a lot of Brentford fans won't remember and the ones that were lucky enough to be around at that era obviously do remember very very fondly uh, the you know is is the analogy with him and George Best is something that I've I've read before I've also I've also heard about that horrible challenge what I also heard about the challenge was Brentford fans went round and tried to um uh, let's. What, how can we put it? Um, get get revenge on the player that, that that did that, and they had to smuggle smuggle the player out of the of the ground before he got um, he got uh, he got a, got a good kicking. Really, um, talk to me about that era. What what was it like to be on the terraces then? You know, Brentford weren't a successful team, but they obviously still had very talented players and the players that you still remember fondly. Can you take me back to Griffin Park in the late sixties? Well, you've got to remember that the club almost died in 67. Um, The club was hemorrhaging money. Jack Dunnett couldn't wait to get rid of it. QPR were going to take us over and we would have disappeared. Although, as Mr Dunnett said to us, you know, there would have been a club still playing at Griffin Park, even though it wasn't Brentford. You should still have got behind them. Well, football fans aren't like that. So we were whole below the waterline and it was all about economy and savings. So poor Jimmy Cyril, who was the manager, coach, trainer, scout, odd job man, handyman, everything, all on his own. He got, had a squad of, I think, 14 players. Was it 14 or 15? Maybe 15, including a couple of amateurs. So 
squad rotation was would have been a fairly interesting concept and was totally unknown so basically we were doing it on a shoestring and the fans understood because the fans realized that they almost had lost their football club so they were prepared to put up with a lack of quality so it was all about a combination of experience and kids and not a lot of inspiration lots of perspiration not much inspiration for the first couple of seasons. Then in 68, 69, the, the, uh, the, 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 the purse strings were opened a little bit. And I remember another winger called Gordon Nielsen came in from Arsenal for £15,000. That's a ridiculous sum of money for Brentford. It's probably like half a million now. Don't know where, I'd love to know the story behind that one. And we started playing a little bit more football. And we had Nielsen on one wing, we had Alan Mansley on the other, Bobby Ross the frightening, frankly terrifying Pat Terry up front, who was the dirtiest player I've ever seen in my life. Massive centre-forward. Well, he wasn't, actually. He was about five foot nine. I've, I've checked it. Um, imagine Neil Mopé with a tash and, and, and sideburns, but probably double the weight, absolutely careering into every centre-half and every goalkeeper. And I remember him once in a League Cup match, behind the referee's back, jumping up and doing a double-footed challenge into the back of the Norwich centre-half, poor, innocent Laurie Brown, who went down with a... And you could almost hear the gasp from him as his, the air was expended from his body and he was winded. Not even a yellow card in those days. I don't think they had the yellow cards, not even a booking. The game's gone, mate. The game's gone. So basically, it was... It was all right, because we were at least we had our Brentford to watch. The football wasn't fantastic. Um, and... Mansley was like a breath of fresh air because suddenly we'd signed someone who could play. We'd signed someone with skill. All right, Alan Hawley was a very skillful player. And then you had Gelson and Nels, Bobby Ross, all very good third division footballers, and that's not to denigrate them. But they didn't have any spark of inspiration. Mansley did. And then Frank Blunston came along and made us into a, a bit like Phil Holder, he made us into a very hard team to beat. And he didn't really fancy wingers too much. But he brought back... But John Doherty came back. And John Doherty was the winger. And John Doherty was a very disciplined winger. And we would play with the massive John O'Mara up front and Roger Cross. Until, of course, he got sold. Like everyone would get sold at Brentford. And there was no room for Mansley, who was crocked by the... the, uh, I was about to use a bad word, Keith Kettleborough. And you're right. He was smuggled out of the ground. And apparently the... The bus stopped outside the um, Ealing Road Terrace, and he was—he literally sprinted down the Ealing Road steps into into the into the bus and back to Chesterfield. But he'd done his job. He had, he had crocked Mansley, and frankly, he had a great season. He did come back from that, but he was injury prone. He got injured the following season. Blunston didn't want two wingers. Doherty was in the team, but he then faded. He went to Fulham. Absolutely Fulham. Played one game for Fulham on loan. Went to Notts County under Jimmy Cyril and Jack Dunnett. Had a season or so doing okay there. But he was out of the game while he was in his mid-twenties. Who knows why? Never found out. Was it injury? Was it attitude? I don't think so. But there again, you know, I look at him through, you know, Rosie Hugh um, uh, aspect. He was a lovely guy, apparently. Who knows? But he never made it, and he should have found fame and fortune. So he was the first person who stirred my emotions, because there wasn't much else at Brentford so exciting.
and you know in stark contrast there is money to be spent at, at, at Brentford these days and we have got a, a lot of attacking wide talent and flair is there any anyone currently at the club who who you know was uh, could, could get close to Mansley or do you think that the game's changed so much now that it's impossible to you know to draw parallels well the game's changed because Mansley would generally have a, a right back against him and if he beat his right back he was in you know, he didn't have the winger tracking back. He didn't have a, a, a shield in front of the, the, the back four. To uh, One man and he was in on goal. And generally he would score. He was a very, very good finisher. Uh, I think he was two-footed as well. Mainly left-footed. But, I, you know, again, I remember a few with his right. But who knows? Maybe I'm imagining it. No, there's, there's no one like him now. Um, funnily enough, the only one who I think might possibly get there... Uh, well, Sergi Canos could, because Sergi reminds me a bit of Mansley, just more in attitude. I mean, Sergi is, is a lovable Labrador. Um, and maybe Chidozi Ogbene, who's going to be a similar type player. Players who are direct, players who want to score goals, players that want to beat their man, but probably only once, not four times. So maybe one of those two will, will, will seize his mantle. It would be lovely if they did. So that's your first instalment of The Game's Gone <laughs> with a Brentford flavour. Today we raise our glasses to Ollie Mansley. Ollie, wherever you are now, I'm sure you're looking down and seeing what's happening at Brentford with joy and pride. We miss you. You were great. So the season's coming, we keep talking about this and people get very excited. What do they do? They go down the betting shop, they bet to see how their team's going to do. Brentford, I think the odds are about 4-1 to one at the moment now, which means that people are, oh, they seem very excited, they're putting money down on us. They think four we're actually going to do what? very well. 4-1 to one for what? 4-1 to one for promotion, from what I can gather. Really? That's what I can. That's what I've heard. So, so how many percent is that? That's uh, so seventy-four percent, of course. So, seventy-four percent spot on. Um, but we did a poll at Besotted. We asked you how excited you are, how you think we're going to do. We thought that we're going to keep our heads down on this one, but it seems that the Beast fans are actually very, very excited about last season, and we had over five hundred votes. And it seems that 60% of the people that voted actually think we're going to be in the playoffs or promoted. And it actually seems that 95% of the people that voted actually think we're going to finish in the top half with only 5% thinking we're going to be a lower half struggle. So there's a lot of um, positivity flying around Brentford at the moment now. It's a 30% promoted to the Prem, 47 playoffs for the Bees, 47%. And then 35% top half finish again and 5% lower half struggle like I said there's actually nearly 600 votes on that one so that's very very interesting to see what's going on also if you check besotted.com every year we ask a load of the people who appeared on the podcast to actually just give us their thoughts on last season what they enjoyed what they didn't enjoy and also how they think the bees are going to do next season it's always a really interesting read so go to besotted.com and check that out all the characters are on there and they, they've sound down there and they've written if they could be bored, of course, there's a few of us that just Sorry. decided not to, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, this is all good, you know, but the problem is that we can't lambast them at the end of the season when we pull the article up again and we say exactly what did you say at the beginning of the season. But listen, you know, we're going to go through this article just see what they said because this kind of reflects what's going around at Griffin Park as well. You know, you've got people like Nick Bruzon, writes a blog a day. He, he, Nick Bruzon, proper, proper, proper writer. He loves his writing and he's decided to write a few words on this as well. And he's very excited about the bees. He thinks we're going to be in the top six. Number four, he thinks we're going to finish as well. Savvy B, thought we were going to finish fifth. 
You know, the Dutchman even more excited, think we're going to finish third. You know, Jim Levesque, who I said he writes a bits and pieces beside as well, appears on the podcast here and there. He thought we're elevated right up to seventh. To second. second. And even oh, Greville. Second? Yeah, second. I'm telling you, he's potty oh, for it, you know what I'm saying? Um, Greville Waterman, he had to pull off a little bit because I think he thought we were going to finish first last season. And he's come down a little bit and he's come to fifth. Um, the Allard, he's gone for sixth position as well, so playoff place. And I actually pulled off a little bit. I was very excited last season and I've gone for an eighth position on my one. And even the Liberal, the liberal Nick is probably... Liberal Nick, you've actually even been beaten by the, the Royal Oak B, Paul Grimes. I mean, Paul Grimes even beat you. I think he went tenth. Yeah. And the Liberal Nick was the most miserable of all the lot with, uh, what was it? Eleventh. But it's not miserable. I'm not being miserable about it. The reason is, I don't want to go up. I don't want to go up the Premiership. I don't want to go this promised land. But what I want, what I want is a really good cup run. I'm getting fed up. Every year, every year, we treat the cup competitions as these sort of secondary, secondary ideas. And therefore, you know, I watched, I, I was watching a, Fascinating, fascinating documentary. Fascinating documentary about Bill Shankly. Okay, real dogs abuse here, which is real unfair. And Bill, Bill Shankly, Bill Shankly, established Liverpool as a leading club by winning the FA Cup. The first trophy Bill Shankly won with Liverpool was the FA Cup, and that established it and Liverpool as a top team. What needs to happen is we need to win the FA Cup and therefore we can see ourselves really rising up the ranks. And that's why I won 11th. Okay. Same position in the league, a good cup run. League or FA Cup, I don't mind. Read the article. I'm really, I'm really sorry about that last bit, everyone. Okay, well, listen, let's move on and let's just go back to the article and we'll talk about it. Now, as we're looking back at last season, um, just looking back at last season and... We just want to say it's interesting because the the resounding moment that seemed to make everyone really happy and everyone laugh seemed to be the Birmingham situation. Uh, every yeah. single writer that talked oh, about that, yeah. everyone that talked about it, they said, "Brilliant, we love it. We love you know Birmingham. They made us laugh. We beat them seven nil. You know the players. So we had the Birmingham seven nil aggregate scenario, yeah. and then the other one, which is the funny moment, was when." Um, as the US trying to sing their Cheer Up Harley Dean, as it was, the monkey song Daydream Believer came on the tannoy at Griffin Park at half time. I didn't, didn't hear the half time one, yeah. I heard the full time one as well. So half time and full time, and apparently Harley Dean stood there and he looked up at the DJ, whoever that was. I don't know if it's Peter Gillum, and he just looked up at him, and the whole stadium was singing. And it, probably 95% of uh, the bloggers about that, just, they wrote about that moment saying it was funny. I know there was a few people, um, there was a few people there who actually thought, actually, we're not, um, we don't think it's very, very, very wise thing to do that. We don't think it's very funny. But the fact is, a lot of people thought that it actually really mobilised and brought the fans together and we were one for one. Um, funny moments, Liberal Nick. Last year, uh, funny moment was actually running away from um, uh, Fulham. Uh, I had to leave to catch a train and passing a bloke in Bishop's Park talking to his son. And the man was saying, I told you, I told you, this year we'll beat Brentford. At that precise moment, you could hear from the away end this huge cheer going up because we all know what happened. Neil Malpay scored that goal. And I tried to look at the guy and the guy's face sunk and he thought, there I'm going to have, I've let down my son again as Brentford <laughs> beat the Fulham. Yeah. Uh, well, it felt like a win though. It felt like a win. Mine also comes from the Fulham game and it was 
Uh, a moment after the match, as we're leaving Craven Cottage, you know, felt like a win. They're very down about it. We're we're on the up. We're jumping around. We're loving it. We've got a point, but we broke their hearts. That was the most important thing. That was like a parody from the Football Factory. We're walking through that park, going back towards Putney Bridge, and, the, and there's a Brentford fan on this side in the park, and there's a Fulham fan outside the park, and they're separated by the, the metal fence. And they're both giving it the bigger name each other. Yeah, you want some? You want some? You fucking want some? You full of crap? You fucking want some? No, that there's a fence. And they're walking along. And now this is all, they're all very safe. No one can touch each other. And as they keep walking, there's a, there's a big gap in the fence. <laughs> the fence out of nowhere stops. The fence is no longer there. And, and now's the time, guys. You can have the fight you want. Were any punches exchanged? No. No, no, of course not. Of course not. Of course not. Um, Lainey, I'm just wondering. There seems to be a common thread with the worst moment of the season. Can you remember what your worst moment of the season was? Yeah, it's keep your away. It's it was it was like being two nil up and seeing that evaporate. Uh, I I have to go back to the best moment, and it absolutely was Birmingham. It was it was like pantomime. It was literally from the first minute to the last minute. It was it was a laugh a minute, ninety minutes, and just the, the singing and the, just the crying, and it was the disbelief of being four. Oh no, please five. Oh my God, can it be six? And it, it could have been any that that day. It could have been any, but. Yeah, the, the, I, I guess I guess the um, yeah the QPR away was was low, but then you know we 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 won that game and we 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 thrown it away. So you know they they still didn't beat us last year. Yeah, it's interesting actually because you talk about Birmingham City at home. For me actually, I put down my best moment was actually Birmingham City away because I actually preferred that because the one home was too easy. We had a lot of fun, but the, that that first game was key because there was, was a bit more there was a bit more edge to it. So we we went there and we were a bit nervous, and then to see us actually do the business was just beautiful to watch but the best bit about that game was watching Jim Levac wave at his next door labour for those people who don't know Jim Levac lives in, in lives in the Midlands and has a few Birmingham City supporting friends and his neighbour uh, was in one of the hospitality boxes which is situated behind the away end and as we as our winning goal went in Jim Levac sort of has to wave and smile at his at his friend it was brilliant it was fantastic to see I want to go back to the QPR um, away game, right? If I have to, um, a lot of people noted that as a as as the low point of the season. I want to try and put a, a positive spin on this. Uh, as I mentioned this, on this before, my brother is a QPR fan, and he, what should have been a really depressing moment in the season, I know that my brother had left the ground at two 0 and it was two to Brentford. He was already walking home, crying into his crying into his uh, into his pint in the pub he missed not just the two one he missed the two all as did many Rangers fans we didn't enjoy it but none of them saw it so none of them got the chance to enjoy it from their end excellent and, and also it's interesting because uh, we talked about the Birmingham moment as well but another big moment that everyone else thought was absolutely huge was Malpay in the last minute as well and so many fans just talked about that being an absolute joyous moment it's really weird because it's like it was an equalising game in a London derby which kind of did alright for us but we probably wanted to do a little bit better but everyone actually felt that that was the, the, one of the most, most momentous moments well ironically Fulham fans now say that it was one of their best moments as well because they're saying if it wasn't for that they might have gone up automatically and it would have deprived them of you know winning at Wembley and all that so okay you know we, we, we detest them but fair play you know they're, they're in the premiership this season I hope they have a good year hopefully we join them next year you know they're, they're not too dissimilar from us I can't stand them but you know good luck
game's gone. Game's gone. gone. Listen, and also, like I said to you, there was another little section that we had in there. We always throw in a little sort of spanner works, a slightly different one. And like we said to you, the Atomic Kitten song was a surprise hit of the World Cup in Russia. The whole song Hole Again was adapted to football's coming home again. Yeah. And it was uh, sung by all the England fans in Russia. And we said, what cheesy pop record do you think Brentford should adapt this season and why? And everyone gave their thoughts, gave some good thoughts, you know. Some people talk about sort of Dino, it should be Gino, you know, or Gino should be Dino by, you know, Dexter's Midnight Runners. Um, but there's one sort of out of the blue one came out there. So, um, and I think Sarah might actually uh, claim this one, even though Ali Malali put it down there first as well. And it was Can You Feel the Force by The Real Thing. All the old soul boys out there remember that. <laughs> Can you feel the force? Can you feel the force? Yeah, so uh, we're going to see if we dig that out as well for Marcus Force as he buries a few off the bench. How I, I tried to get this one going after that Fulham game, actually. Um, might have been done before at a few grounds, but... Come on, Neil Mapai, you made the Fulham cry. We went wild, wild, wild. We went wild, wild. Yeah, yeah it, was, so it, was also, it was also a headline, wasn't there? It was um, Tom Field crosses for... For Marcus Force to head home, so it's the force field. Well, actually, I think uh, somebody, one of our, our crew, actually saw them walking down uh, Braemar Road the other day. Force field, um, yeah. So which is interesting as well. Teams we're talking about the teams that are going to do better, but also the teams they think are going to do far worse than the pundits predict. And a lot of people said Stoke City actually, and I don't know if it's just a hater thing that was going on because they're uh, the favourites. But a lot of people said Stoke City, but, but a few people are also saying Nottingham Forest because they've got lots of money. <coughs> they don't think they're going to be able to do a uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, m- money doesn't always buy you success, and you know I I, I was guilty of, of thinking that about Wolves again last year, but they, they 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 you know eventually got it right. Derby County, Frank Lampard, are they is, is that going to work? I know they got Flo Joe. There's there's a lot of pressure on him to, to actually hit the ground running, and Derby Derby County is the poison chalice. The, the one that I really I think is the basket case, if I'm honest with you, is QPR with um, Steve McLaren and his Hair Island. Is it, it's just it's just like you know they've got the transfer embargo. There's a lot of pressure on him. Is it his last game in football? You know. It, QPR, it's, it's all it's all poised to go very wrong. QPR so. is an awful job to get at the moment. Yeah. You must be pretty desperate to take that job. Yeah. You would be really yeah, desperate. No money, no good players. Yeah, yeah going down. Embargo, embargo. Yeah, it's interesting. Not that not that many people actually put you know QPR down for a, a bit of a bit of a bit of a bit of a downer. But when I went to the, I went to the Quest launch a few uh, days ago and uh, I was listening to pundits and a lot of them were actually putting QPR down for relegation, which is a, a bit weird hey. because because Ian Holloway was there as well. I don't think they told him directly. They were sort of like whispering it under their breath, but they were saying you know they have not spent any money. They're really really struggling, um, and obviously they've got the financial um, situation going on there. The embargo. So I think QPR could be in a bit of pickle but listen pickle. check this out besotted.com it's our end of sea or start of season bloggers predictions and uh, it might make you smile a few smile a few of these things and uh, you can actually see um well, nine months time whether or not we are right or wrong but anyway we've got more things to talk about after this twang so we've been shunted inside the beach hut has been closed and we've been brought inside and the party is going on in the distillers down Fulham Palace Road. It's in Fulham territory, but they're in another division now, so we don't need to worry about them anymore. We've got we've got nothing on them because we are the we are the pride of West London, as we say. But listen, we always like to have a new feature, and we've got a game on Saturday against Rotherham. But we need to find as much information out about Rotherham as we can do. So we're going to pull in Chris, the Axon Miller, 
I've got a really good name for it. Tell me, tell me, what name do you think you should call it? I think we always call it Five from the Hive. That's a, that's a really good idea. It's a really good name. Yeah, it? it is. It is. I'll like tell you something. This is what we're going to bring you now, and that's exactly what it is. Five at the hive. This week with Rotherham. So, what is your name, and who do you support? I'm Chris Saxon, otherwise known as Axel Miller. I've been supporting the Millers for many years. I leave it at that. Don't want to give too much away about my age. Suffice to say, I remember the 50s. I've devoted a lot of time, effort and cash following them. And I even wrote a book about supporting them, titled Passion and Pies, a narrative of Rotherham United, 2001-2002. And I ended up donating all the profits to the Club Supporters Trust. Rotherham are back. How was your holiday? I'm hoping that we're able to hold our own this time around. After just one season in League One, we're back and ready for another tilt at competing with the big boys in this moneyed, cash-rich championship. In fact, looking at the fixture list, it's, it's almost like we've never been away. I enjoyed our brief stay in League One, though, and we actually, we actually won games on a regular basis, something we hadn't been able to do in the championship. Our win at Wembley was particularly good, and the team had far exceeded my prediction of a 10th place finish. Now you're back, do you think you'll hang around for a bit? Our former fitness coach, Paul Warren, took over as manager in the latter part of our championship relegation, failed to effect much of an improvement and our relegation was confirmed way before May. Paul Warren, hmm. Initially, I, like lots of fans, thought he was the cheap option. Even he stated a few times that he didn't really want the job. How wrong we were all were. He brought in a staff of ex-players, proper Rotherham United people, and after a slow start, a 2-0 defeat at Fleetwood, we gradually improved thanks to shrewd signings and fans buying into his style of play. We developed a team ethic not seen for several months. Interviews with players went down the line of, we win together as a team, we lose together. We brought in players with pace, Williams, Emmanuel come to mind, and we developed a never-say-die attitude we had leaders on the pitch. Will Vaux struggled so much in the championship. Now here he was leading by example. Who is going to make the Millers tick this season? The iconic Richard Wood, the magic man, almost left the club in January on a free, regained his place and scored twice at Wembley. How good was that? Quite the opposite. He's proved inspirational up front, leads the line with skill and control, and he should perform well in this league where there's better football and better footballers. We did sign Matty Palmer from Burton, allegedly for a substantial fee towards the end of the season. Up to now he's only played a bit part, but I expect great things from him. He's a real footballer and could prove inspirational in the midfield. Describe one thing you need to ensure you have a good season. Can we come find the pundits and avoid a quick return to League One? I'm hoping so. We're certainly fitter than ever, and will compete for every one of that 90 minutes. What we do need to do is avoid injuries. We have a reasonable sized squad, but some of them are young and untried. They might find it difficult to step up if one or more senior players get injured, and we also need that bit of luck. A trip to sunny Brentford on the opening day of the season. What more could you have asked for? How will the game pan out? So here we are then, just a few days away from our opening fixture. A trip to our mates at Brentford. It should be a good day. 
Brentford provide a good example of what can be achieved with the right signings and careful planning. Like us, there's something of a small fish in a big pond surrounded by more illustrious neighbours. I'm hopeful of a good result though, a draw at the very least, but it will be a difficult game and a big step up. We brought in numerous defenders in the summer and it might take a while for them to gel, so our defence might be suspect. We should be able to compete in midfield and up front though. Smith will be a real handful. On the plus point from our point of view, I've been to Griffin Park a few times in the past and I've actually never seen us lose there. In fact, when I lived in London, I even went there a couple of times to see Brentford play other teams. Come to think of it, I've never actually seen the Bees win at home. A good omen, perhaps. Fingers crossed. My prediction? 1-1 draw, which would start us off nicely. Let the games begin. Five at the Hive. So there we have it. Rotherham come down and uh, the Axel Miller who is very calm and collected and chilled and happy to be here again coming down to Brentford never seen Brentford win at Griffin Park so uh, maybe we might have to we'll have to ban him from actually entering the stadium you know but you know Rotherham playing a different breed of football actually playing a, a slightly more attractive style of football as well apparently so they could be hard and they, they battle from the first minute to the 90th minute so it could be a bit of a toughie for the bees. Rotherham. I mean, we haven't seen them play much. You know, they beat Shrewsbury in the or Shrewsbury in the final at the playoffs. Um, probably that was against the Cards because Shrewsbury was the team who were right up there for most of the season. Do you think that we need to be on our guard on Saturday? Yeah, always. Uh, this is absolutely no easy games at this level. Sometimes you stumble across them. You know, like Burton last year away. You know, they were out of their depth, and you know, we, we were too good for them. I'm expecting similar on Saturday, if I'm honest with you. you know, there's, there's a massive gulf between the top 10 of the championship and the promotion teams from League One. You know, we, 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 we have not been you know, an established championship team for five years now without it meaning something. And you know, I, I think you know, in, in the same way there's yo-yo teams between the Premiership and League One, there's yo-yo teams between, sorry, and the championship, there's yo-yo teams between Championship and League One. Rotherham may be, may be that team. You know, they, might, they, might, they might have a really good first season back or second season back. I think we're too strong for them, Bill. You know, I, I, think, I think they're the, they're the kind of park-the-bus team that we're, we're, you know, we, we've begun used to expect. So we need to break them down, but I, th- I think we've got enough about us. You know, we, we, we've, seen, we've been there, seen it, done it at the moment. So, uh, you know, I, I see nothing but three points for us. Uh, score prediction? Um, I'm going 3-1 Brentford. I mean, interesting that the, the Axel Miller says they're probably less of a part-the-bus type side as well. And, uh, you know, like I said, they're, you know, they're going to be playing the ball out. So it's interesting. So. The good thing that he said, actually, was I wish we might do in our favour. They've bought quite a few defenders and they may take a bit of time to gel is what he's saying so that might be a little bit of a fear and something that we might be able to exploit um, the Liberal I know you always look forward to going to Rotherham do you also look forward to them coming to us I, I, I do look forward to going to Rotherham because I think the New York Stadium is a, is a mighty fine stadium and um, I, I, enjoy, I enjoy the place last time we played Rotherham Neil Warnock was their manager um, I'm not so confident, Dave. The championship this year is pretty impossible to call. I don't think there is one team that's going to run away with the league. Uh, I don't think there are three teams or two teams or even one team that is guaranteed relegation um, this season. So 
Rotherham, they're going to be up for it. I mean, you know, it's their first game back in the Championship. They're down in, you know, Brentford are a, I would suggest to, to teams looking in, in on Brentford, we are a good test of where people will stand in the Championship. Will they be a, will they have a good season? Will they have a bad season? So I think Rotherham will fight for their lives. I think this will be a hard-fought game for us. I think we might just have enough to win if we've got enough strikers. 2-1. 2-1. And I don't want to talk, correct you and everything like that, but the last time we played Rotherham, they actually had the manager that they've got now and he got them relegated, but they stuck with him and then he's come back to them. Um, Warnock was there the season before and he actually saved them from relegation. And then this last season, the manager they've got now was there, got them relegated, but they stuck with him. But anyway, we'll move forward. Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy, um, I'm just wondering, we're playing Rotherham, but are we on a bit of a struggle? Because we've got Malpay out, we've got quite a few players who have been injured. Um, so, I mean, who's going to start and who's going to be leading the line? Well, yeah, um, first of all, it's great to be playing again in a championship. Premier League, no games on a Saturday at three o'clock, 20, 20 games a season or whatever, you know, not enough games. League One, boring. Championship, brilliant to be in the best league we've ever been in once again it's going to be a great campaign can't wait um, so this will be, be a tough game on Saturday I think and Bill for exactly what you say is that I don't although I haven't been to any friendlies I've obviously been following them from the from a distance I don't think we've it looks like our strongest team is probably unknown doesn't like they've come close to playing together so it'll be interesting to see who they start with on Saturday um, and that'll make it difficult uh, Rotherham will have the Philip of um, coming up from League One to the Championship. They bounce back, um, so they'll be up for it. Um, I still fancy to get the win. I think we've got enough experienced players in the Championship now. Three top ten finishes in a row. I think we'll do the business. Um, I think we're actually going to do it by a couple of goals. I mean, the crowd are going to be up for it, and it should set the tone for another good year. Um, I honestly think it's probably the most entertaining championship season ever this year. I I, I think the the clubs that have come down, they're going to actually try and play football. I think West Brom, they're they're football players, um, Swansea football players, Stoke more so. You know, we, we think of Stoke as long ballers, but, but but I think I, I honestly think this gonna is it's probably the most competitive league it, it's been since since we've been in this division. Apart, maybe apart from the first year when we had Watford and, and and Bournemouth, but I think there's a lot of football to be played, and I think we do all right because we're we're football playing we're a football playing team rather than like a tactical team. So. You know, I'm really, I'm honestly looking forward to this season as much as any other year. I mean, I think Rotherham are actually going to do better, and I've put that in my predictions as well. That everyone has thought they're going to do. They've written them off. Um, like I said to you, they're fitter. You know, they play better football. You know, they've got you know a couple of players out there. So we'll see how that'll do. For me, I think it's going to be tough. Um, but what I'm saying, what I like the fact is that we got Saeed in there. And I want to see what we're going to do because we need to start scoring goals from midfield. And if he starts running at people and creating people and crossing in there and, and shooting, I think that he could be the difference. But I think it's going to be quite tight. And I'm saying 1-0 to the mighty, mighty bees. But listen, listen, we've only got Saturday to look forward to. Everyone's going to be get down at Griffin Park on Saturday. Nice sunshine, about 30-odd degrees it's going to be. So make sure you bring your glasses, bring your hat, bring your sun cream. And you can stand on that terrace and you can bask in the glory of a, a, a Brentford victory. Basking sharks. 
That's right. But listen, this is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. Thanks for listening to everything. we got Monday's radio show. It's up there on the Besotted Audio Boom. we got a radio show next Monday as well. But we got a match on Saturday. We're all going to be there because we're excited. We need to get our first three points on the table. As we say in Hammersmith, the distillers, come on, you Brown and orange. Brown and orange. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.